grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we begin a new series called Outside the Circle, a faith gone viral. From the beginning of Christianity, this faith movement spread like a virus from person to person through the sharing of stories and lives changed. Pastor Sean will describe what an infectious church looks like today and how you as a believer can influence people outside of your circle. Put a bookmarker in Acts chapter 1. The message today is called Like a Plague. It's time for Reaching for Real Life. So as we told you today, I want to start a new series called Outside the Circle, Faith Gone Viral. Have you ever seen something go viral? I think we all have. I want to have something go viral. The thing is, it seems like mostly lunacy goes viral. And that does not speak well of us. But it's true. You know, think about the different things. You know, if I said to you, here's a quiz, a little quiz for River City Quiz, see how, how savvy you are. If I do this, tell me what it is. Ring, ding, 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 ding. What does the fox say? Yes. Exactly right. My, my granddaughter, Ryland. You go, what does the fox say? Ring, ding, ding, ding. What does the fox say? I went crazy. I saw that thing, and here's the thing. I looked at that, and I'm like, that is awesome. What does it say about me that I think that is awesome? Remember the ice bucket challenge? Okay, that was for a good cause, for ALS. How many of you, how many of you did the ice bucket challenge? Dumped ice on your head? Yes, of course we did. Because what if you didn't? Then what would happen? What if you just said, I'm not going to dump ice on my head, but I will make a donation to ALS? No, no, that's not good enough. You must video yourself and post it on Facebook of dumping ice on your head. How about Antoine Dodson? You know who Antoine Dodson was, right? Hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your husbands, because they're raping everybody out here. That whole thing, if you don't know what that is, if you're not familiar with that, you need to go and just look that up. Just type in, hide your wife, hide your kids, you know, hide your husband, and, and you will find it. You'll find it was an original real news story. The guy was so bizarre, and yet really like genius, crazy, entertaining bizarre. And the newscasters, which you would think responsible journalists wouldn't have put that guy on, but they couldn't help themselves. They had to. And so then a couple of kids turned it into a remix and this whole song, you know, and so it went viral. It seems like the things that usually go viral are goofy, funny, because that's what we like. But the key to viral is that one person saw it and then shared it and shared it and shared it. And then they shared it and they shared it. And it connected with people on some level. That's the key to viral. It gets inside people and then they spread it. You can't manufacture viral. You can try, but that's not the way it works. It has to spread person to person. It's got something that gets inside them, and they then share it and share it and share it. And before you know it, it goes viral. Well, here's the deal. Another thing that has gone viral, okay, is the Christian faith. You need to understand what we read in the book of Acts is the church beginning its ascent and going viral. Because that's exactly how it happened. There was no media. There wasn't, tr- transportation was, was rudimentary. It went person to person.
person around the world, and it changed civilization. The Christian faith went viral. In fact, the beginning of this year, we started reading from the book of Acts. And I was just blown away by just the, the things they went through, the way it worked. In fact, I shared something with our leaders earlier in the year, and I want to share it with you. I wrote a blog about this idea, because it, it really impacted me as I was reading through Acts. And it was near the beginning of the year that I was reading, and I, I wrote this. I'll just share some things from the blog. Every year, people try to find a theme word for the new year. Any of you ever done that? Try to find a theme word for the new year? Things like purpose, joy, new beginnings, discipline, whatever it is. Those are certainly among the favorites. And then I wrote, my word for the year won't be among the favorites, because my word for the year is plague. That's my word for the year, plague. And you're like, why would, that's kind of weird, Sean. Why would you do that? Well, it's a biblical idea. In Acts 24, the apostle Paul is brought before Felix, the governor of Caesarea. His accusers, a group of Jewish religious leaders, including the high priest Ananias. As they begin to state their case before the governor, the first thing they say about Paul is this, and I love it. We have found this man a plague. We have found this man a plague. At least that's how the English standard version translates the Greek word. And it's a pretty good translation. It's either translated plague or pestilence. We found this man to be a pestilence. We found him to be a plague. And when I read that, I kind of laughed because it revealed how much he was obviously in their heads. He had these distinguished religious leaders in their robes, their beards, very pious. He had them so frustrated, they're like, he's like a plague. And while the specifics of the accusations that they brought against Paul were trumped up and they were false, I suggest this one is true because He was like a plague to their agenda of religious control. And under his leadership, the gospel spread like wildfire or like a plague. It was at that time, you know, because when I read the word, I stop and I kind of say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? I, I really had to, I stopped laughing and I began to wonder, does our enemy ever find me like a plague? Does our enemy ever find me to be like a plague? Because I'm serious. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We have real enemies. We do. This is a war for the souls of people. Our real enemies have a dark agenda to destroy human lives and keep them from abundant life in Christ. And the question is, do they see me or do they see us as a threat to that agenda? Do they ever stay up at night worrying about us? See, in the New Testament, the gospel created turbulence everywhere it went. As I read Acts, that's what I noticed. It created turbulence everywhere it went because it radically changed lives. And radically changed lives always disrupt the status quo. Because the gospel is an invasion of God's presence through belief in Jesus Christ. It's always marked by repentance, true turning repentance, faith, and surrender to God's life-giving purpose. The problem is there are many people who have no interest in surrendering to God's life-giving purpose. Consequently, the gospel makes many people very uncomfortable. So I guess my real question is this. If our spreading of the gospel isn't making anyone uncomfortable, are we really spreading the gospel? Or something else. It may sound odd, but one of my big prayers for this year is to follow in Paul's footsteps and be like a plague. I want to be a carrier of the Spirit of God and of his gospel of peace. And if the enemies of the gospel, whether they be spiritual or human, if they are made uncomfortable by God's work through me, then I'll know I'm on the right track. A few things 
that I just shared then and I'll share with you now that help us become carriers of the gospel. Be full of Jesus. Daily time and communion with the Lord through the word and prayer will make a powerful difference. You can't share what you don't have. Second, connect in biblical community. The early church always ministered in community and from community. We need the strength and accountability that comes from the body and comes from community. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against this community that he founded called the church. A third thing is share the love of Jesus freely. Look for ways to reach out and love people in Jesus' name. They're all around us if we'll stop and ask God to open our eyes. And the last thing, and this one is tough for us, think of our current cultural signal. The last was simply speak the truth of the gospel boldly. And I think this is hardest for contemporary Christians. We've allowed ourselves to be intimidated into silence. We think somehow if we're quiet and nice enough, people will be so impressed they'll just run to the gospel. And I think we'd all agree it has never worked that way. As far as being intimidated into silence, no one respects a pushover. Be kind and respectful. But don't be afraid to speak the truth in love and speak it boldly. And don't expect those who refuse the truth to like it. My prayer is that we would be people who would be full of passion, the fire of his presence, and may the enemies of the gospel fear you and I like they fear the plague. And that was the content of that blog. Because the gospel really is designed spread like that. It is designed by its very nature to go viral. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this series called Outside the Circle and a Faith Gone Viral. That's found on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And back to the message, Like a Plague, a Faith Gone Viral. This is Reaching for Real Life. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. I want to read something that one of the last things Jesus said, the last thing he said to his followers. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, and it shows how this faith of ours is supposed to go viral. It says, when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
So they want to know before Jesus goes, they want to know, okay, is this the time? Are you bringing the final things? Is the kingdom, you know, kind of end times prophecy stuff? We're really obsessed with that stuff. We've all seen the things where someone says, yep, this September, Jesus is coming back. End of the world. Get ready. And if you buy my little packet, you'll be fully prepared. We've all seen it, right? And every time you go and the day after you go, well, I guess that guy was wrong. See, Jesus said it's not yours to know. We don't get to know that. And the reason we're so obsessed with it is we want to be in control. We want to plan. We want to control things. And Jesus says, yeah, you don't get to do that. That's in Father's hands. So breathe. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You don't get that. He says, but what you do get, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will become transformed people who are empowered to change the world by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then he says you'll be empowered for something. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses. That's a word that got beat up in my upbringing. I may have shared it with you. Um, if I had, indulge me. <laughs> that word witness. Because, you know, I grew up in Pentecostal church, and we took that stuff seriously. They would load us in a van, send us to a neighborhood, and go witness to people. You know, go knock on people's doors at the dinner hour. Because that's when we were off school, and, you know, that's when people were home. And so, go in the evening when they're having dinner, or when they're watching their favorite TV show, knock on the door, and say things like, um, if you died tonight, do you know where you'd go? And I grew up in Chicago, right? You know, I didn't grow up in the Bible Belt. So, you know, my deal, a guy in a wife beater answers the door, chewing on a chicken bone. He goes, I'm not the one dying tonight, kid. Get off my doorstep. Get out of here. Religious freaks. So that was my idea of witnessing. I thought it was go and kind of, I had more of the salesman idea of witnessing. That was the idea, that was the way I was trained, the salesman idea. You go and you get a program, you've got your materials, you've got your pamphlets, we called them gospel tracts, okay? But they might as well, your, your prospectus, your sales pamphlet, whatever it was. We approached it like a salesman. And thank God, when I got old enough to really kind of look at this through some critical lenses, witnesses, wait a minute, witness, what does a witness do? A witness tells what they've seen. A witness simply tells what they've seen. You'll be my witnesses. And I realize we've been doing this like a salesman when Jesus was saying you should do it like a satisfied customer. And the good news is people would way rather hear from a satisfied customer than a salesman. Isn't that true, salesman in the room? Everyone you knows, what's the best kind of business? The best business is what? Referral business. Referral business. A satisfied customer. Everybody wants to hear from a satisfied customer. That's why we love the reviews in Google or the reviews in Yelp or on Amazon because we want to hear what other people are saying. And we're trying to, fight, we're trying to weed through. Wait a minute, is that a salesman making a review? Is that a fake review? Is that a real review? Because we want to hear. Everybody wants to hear. And we love to share, don't we? When we've had a great experience about something, we love to share. You know, everybody's got a guy. I don't care what it is. Whatever, you, whatever it is that you kind of want to find out, you know, hey, I need a contractor to do some remodeling in my room. Oh, I got a guy, this guy, he, he was great, he was great. No, don't use that guy, that guy's terrible. This guy, he's great, okay? I got a guy. 
auto mechanic. Oh, my guy's the best. He's honest. He's affordable. Yeah, no, that guy, he's a, he's a shark. Get out. Stay away from him. But my guy, he's the best. Your dentist, your favorite restaurant, whatever. We love to share things like that. Well, imagine Jesus saying, I want you to witness what you've seen. Witness what you've experienced. So in other words, when people start telling me, my life is hurting, I, I, <coughs> I don't feel the same about my life anymore. My, my family's in trouble. And we can say, oh, I got a guy. I got a guy. You got to talk to my guy. It's Jesus. He's my guy. That's witnessing. Let me tell you what he did for me. The nature of that. By the way, the witness thing, understand, it's designed person to person. It is designed. It is intended to go viral. And Jesus described a worldwide movement that would go viral viral through the testimony of the witnesses who had seen what God's done in their own life and around them. He said it'll be Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what happened. It did become a worldwide movement. It went viral. It spread all over the world. But I want to suggest something in recent years has happened. Something has changed. Because we seem to be losing ground. It doesn't seem to be, at least in our culture, America, Western Europe, it's not the same. Canada. There are places where the gospel is spreading virally. But we're just not one of them. We seem to be losing ground. And the question is, well, has the gospel changed? Is somehow grace no longer appealing? People don't feel the need for forgiveness? Is there a shortage of sinners now? We've, everybody's saved in America. No sinners anymore here. Yeah, no, I don't think that's a problem. What's changed then? I want to suggest we've changed. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I hope you'll take notes, either the paper notes in the bulletin or in the notes app that we have. Uh, If you're taking notes, please write this down. Viral faith requires infectious believers. That's what it requires. These witnesses, they're infectious believers. Viral faith requires infectious believers. You want to be a carrier? You've got to be an infectious believer in Jesus Christ. Our lives, by the very nature of them, should make people hungry for Jesus Or we have to then stop and say, wait a minute, how's it going? Am I really one of these infectious believers? You ever known someone who's an infectious believer who just, the more you get around them, man, you just go, man, I I want their Jesus. And if you're a Christian, you go, man, they've experienced some stuff. I want that. I want to try that. I want to experience that kind of intimacy with God. I want to experience that step of faith, and I want to see the power of God like that. You ever known someone who was infectious, and they just made you want what they had in Christ? That's an infectious believer. And that's what every one of us are called to be, infectious believers. Viral faith requires infectious believers. Our lives making people hungry for more of Jesus few principles of an infectious believer. Number one, you can't spread what you don't have. May seem obvious, write it down anyway. You can't spread what you don't have. In other words, to be infectious, you have to be infected. You're never going to spread a gospel that hasn't infected you and changed you and transformed you. You can't spread what you don't have. The gospel transforms us. And if you've never experienced the life-changing, eye-opening transformation of the gospel, what I'm sharing with you is going to be maybe interesting, I hope, but it's going to be it. It's not going to be compelling because you're going to be like, I I don't see it that way. 
Let me just tell you, the reason Paul was a plague, the reason he led a movement, he became the leader of a movement that changed Western civilization and impacted the entire world, is because he was infected. His story of infection is pretty cool, actually. Flip over to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Because remember what Jesus said, that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be my witnesses. Trying to be a witness without the Holy Spirit on you is kind of a waste because you really won't have much to share. I, you, won't, you won't have much to, to give. You can't spread what you don't have. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In Acts chapter 9, Paul had that experience. Now understand who Paul was. Remember? He was called Saul. His name was Saul. He was a strict religious teacher and rabbi and he hated the christians because he felt they were a a cult he felt they were heretics he was actually using the authority of judaism throughout their region which they did have authority they had temple guards he was using them to persecute the christians and stop them because he thought they were tainting the true faith of judaism and so acts 9 tells us but saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, those are the Christians, the way, that's what it was called, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem to be tried and ultimately executed. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling on the ground, he heard a voice voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Don't you hate when that happens when you're serving the Lord? And all of a sudden, the voice from heaven says, what are you doing? And he looks at Saul and says, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He was smart enough to know this is the Lord. But he's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a servant of God, the Almighty, the Most High. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. And you know at that moment, that was like a punch in the stomach. The one who he'd been persecuting, the followers of Jesus he'd been persecuting. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you're to do. Now the men traveling with him stood speechless. They heard the voice, but they saw no one. Saul rose from the ground. Although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. He's blind. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. So whatever happened, this light, this voice, he came away now blind. And for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. He fasted. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight to the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. He's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in, lay his hands on him so he'll regain his sight. But Ananias answered, "Uh, Lord, I've heard about this man from a lot of people. Ananias is no dummy. How much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Ananias is like, Lord, really? Seriously? But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I'll show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed. He gulped. That's my addition. That's not in the text. And he entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, let's now address him, Brother Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and listen, and be filled with the Holy Spirit so he could be a witness. 
You may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scale fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he arose and he was baptized. Paul was infected with the gospel, peace, the grace, the forgiveness of a life, new life in Christ. So that he had an actual experience of the scales falling from his eyes so that he could now see what he couldn't see before. See, salvation is a whole lot more than eternal fire insurance, folks. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series on a faith gone viral, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.